Be joyful in the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness and come before his presence with a song. Amen. In recent weeks, I'm sure many of you have attended events of one kind or another that mark a graduation where people have been recognized for certain accomplishments. Here at the cathedral, we have celebrated the ordination of a new priest, the ordination of five new deacons, the confirmations and receptions of several of our members, and we have congratulated those who have completed EFM, a four-year course of study for lay people interested in broadening their biblical and church knowledge. And finally, we recognize people who have been granted various academic degrees. We've had lots to celebrate. All of these transitions, these sending forths, these commissionings, are often accompanied by speeches and sermons and homilies of what the future may hold. I want to reflect on one such talk I heard a number of years ago, though, And the reason, and and I remember it, uh, because the speaker said something different. It wasn't what I was expecting to hear or what I was kind of set to hear. It wasn't the usual pitch. Studies show that we are more likely to retain what is unusual and unexpected. So in in the case of this speaker... He encouraged young people to do something that I wasn't expecting or ready for. The homilist in this instance was Garrison Keillor. He's an American humorist and storyteller, among other talents, and well-known for his radio show, A Prairie Home Companion. He's also credited with creating the fictional Minnesota town of Lake Wobegon, where I'm sure many of you know that the women are all strong, the men are all good-looking, and the children are all above average. What a wonderful place like Wobegon must be. The setting of the baccalaureate service that I attended some 15 years ago was my son's college graduation, and I don't remember many of the details of what Keeler said, but his central message, as I mentioned, has stuck with me. And it was this, do not be afraid to make a mistake, and don't wait until you're way into your 30s to do it. (laughs) Like we wait until our 30s to make our first mistake. Now remember that he was speaking mainly to an audience of 20-somethings, who had just completed four-year bachelor's degrees. Many of these kids would have come from privileged backgrounds, although most of them were yet even to realize that. They had been given much by virtue of their birthright, and they were used to succeeding. So up to that point, all they'd had to do was to be at the top of their game. They had to know what to do to figure out how to make good grades. Notice I didn't say study hard. They just had to figure out how to get good grades. Um, 
and excel at extracurricular activities, whether in sports or music or theater. Maybe that wasn't too hard for most of them. But what they had no idea about is what lay in front of them. And I think this is what Garrison Keillor was asking them to focus their attention on. With all of their success, they had little experience with making mistakes, with failing, with not coming out on top, with not getting what they wanted or thought they deserved. In short, they probably had few coping skills to deal with anything but success. What they would learn in life is that their strategies for succeeding that had worked so far would not always prove to be the ones to get them where they wanted to go. So Keeler was advising them, just don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to make a mistake. You're going to need to learn this because you're going to encounter this in life more than once. So now why would Keeler send such a message to these kids? What might have been behind it? Did his faith inform him? Well, I did a little digging. I learned that by this time, he would have been 59 years old. And if Wikipedia can be believed, he would be on his third marriage. I think that constitutes significant life experience in the area of making mistakes. (laughs) Just saying. Wikipedia also says he attends St. John the Evangelist Episcopal Church in St. Paul. So perhaps his faith tradition, coupled with his life experience, both entered into this homily that he gave. So therefore, his advice advice is to go ahead and get over that first mistake, because it won't be the last, and the sooner you learn how to survive making mistakes, the better off you'll be. So reading between the lines... Keeler might have been talking about God's grace that we hear about in today's lesson from St. Paul's letter to the Romans. We are justified by faith. By faith alone we are justified and we have access to God's grace through Jesus Christ. Further, Paul says, suffering ultimately leads to hope. And we feel hopeful because of the love poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. These were not words that Keeler spoke, but the message was there. Another one of Keeler's sources for inspiration could well have been today's Old Testament reading from Exodus, in which the Lord is making a new covenant with the Israelites, whom he has brought out of Egypt. The Lord's first covenant with Abraham was to do just that, bring them out of Egypt, along with promising land to Abraham and his descendants. That first one was decidedly a one-sided covenant. The Lord did all the work. Now, in Exodus, the Israelites are in the Sinai Peninsula. They've come that far. And it's time for a new covenant that is more mutual. So this time, the Lord instructs Moses to tell the Israelites they must obey the Lord's voice and to keep the Lord's commandments. In exchange, the Israelites 
will be a holy nation. The Lord will make them a holy nation. That is, they will have a special position in connection with God's purpose in the world. So the Israelites' response is, everything that the Lord has spoken, we will do. They respond in one voice, and they are all in, and they are all on board, and they're going to do whatever the Lord asks them to do. Well, I'm sure the Lord was pleased with their response, but at the same time, the Lord knew the nature of human beings. If only the Israelites could have followed through on their side of that covenant. We know that they know they didn't. They weren't able to. So it's not likely the Israelites intentionally said one thing to God and then behaved differently. It's more likely they didn't really know what lay ahead of them, and they didn't really know what it mean to agree to keep God's covenant and to be obedient, much like the 20-somethings just getting out of school and going into the world for the first time. In addition to the impact on the Israelites, this passage gives us an insight into the nature of our Lord. We can believe what the Lord promises because the Lord keeps the Lord's promises. And in return, the Lord will accept what we promise, knowing that with the best of intentions, sometimes they they won't get fulfilled. They're not likely to get fulfilled. The Lord's love and acceptance of us never wavers, even though we are bound to fall short again and again. Finally, Keeler may have drawn some inspiration from today's gospel reading from Matthew as well. It's very clear commissioning of Jesus to his disciples. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Jesus goes on to say that if things don't work out too well in one place, just keep moving. Don't be dissuaded. Don't be discouraged because you're not well received. In other words, expect to run into some resistance. You may fail in your mission, but you will not be alone. And here's how to deal with it. You know, it may not have been scripture at all that inspired that baccalaureate homily all those years ago but I would like to think so, because it is certainly scripture that inspires us today, reminds us of God's early covenants forged with the father of our faith tradition and with Judaism and Islam as well. And now the covenant is and how the covenant is renegotiated again when Christ comes. Listen for the words in our Eucharistic prayer today. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. And while you're listening to those words, be reminded that God's grace is the founding principle of Christian living. Okay, so now we've been called to go out. We are the ones who've been commissioned. What will we do this week as disciples of Christ? who are aware of God's grace in our lives and who have been sent out into the world? How can we live differently? What will we do or what will we think or what will we pray about this week that will be different from last week and that is focused wholly on how God has graced each one of us 
Pick one thing. It may have to do with a special talent you have. Figure out how to share it with another. Or you may have an infectious laugh. Figure out how to share that laugh with someone else. The list is endless because each and every one of us has been graced in some way and we know how to use the talents that have been given to us by God to fulfill God's covenant with us and God's purpose here on earth. Don't be afraid of making a mistake. We know that's okay. It doesn't have to be a big thing that you do this week, just one, and I guarantee it will be pleasing to God because it will be to God's glory and a living out of our covenant.